It's the end of June when every student's favorite piece of mail is delivered, their invoice for the next semester. This year, the cost of tuition went back to pre-pandemic levels. And that, in combination with some of the other effects of the Financial Sustainability Review beginning to be felt, means that the conversation about financial aid is once again at the forefront. You're listening to the Whitman Wire podcast. I'm Coden Stark. And I'm Casey Moulton. This week, we take a deep dive into Whitman's financial aid landscape through interviews with Adam Miller and Susan Holm to uncover how some of the Financial Sustainability Review's ramifications are being seen in student financial aid packages. Last, we welcomed news writer Naya Willemson to the podcast to unpack a piece she's working on for next week's edition of the newspaper that's centered on Whitman's finances. It's important to make sure that we're accurately reporting the facts, and that's why our first conversation is with Adam Miller, the current interim vice president for financial aid and admissions, to hear firsthand what the umbrella category of financial aid can include, as well as think about the future of financial aid at Whitman. Thank you for sitting down with The Wire podcast. Uh, Do you mind introducing yourself? My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Casey. So my name is Adam Miller. I'm the interim vice president for admission and financial aid. I use he and him pronouns. I've been here at Whitman since spring of 2013. So I I was hired as the director of admission and served as the director um, up through this summer. And then I recently took on this kind of interim role. Before I came to Whitman, I was working down at Claremont McKenna College in Southern California, which is also a liberal arts college, and was there for about six years. That's also my alma mater. And then before that, I was actually at the University of Redlands and uh, was a resident director there. So I started out in student affairs before moving to the kind of enrollment side of things. Yes. So financial aid in particular is something new that you've started working with a little bit this year. Uh, So how is the financial aid world different from the world you're used to? Is it just more moving parts? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I I think on the one hand, this is the first time I've needed to kind of have the role of overseeing a financial aid office. And that absolutely is a shift. On the other hand, admission and financial aid always go hand in hand. Um, We, we speak about financial aid on a daily basis with the students and families that we work with. And um, I think kind of Whitman's commitment to financial aid has been a hallmark for a, a long time. And I think especially increasingly in recent years. Um, and so that's something that we've really emphasized uh, in the conversations with family. And even, you know, two or three years ago, we um, kind of on the admission side of things started a conversation about how we might be able to kind of advance the financial aid conversation in some kind of innovative ways to help support the recruitment efforts. And that led to our early financial aid guarantee program, which is really a great example of collaboration between admission and financial aid that we've had um, kind of pop up recently. So I would say financial aid is, is certainly new to me in terms of some of the kind of policy level questions and some of the oversight that that now fall kind of on my plate. But you know, I have spent a lot of time over the last decade talking about financial aid. Yeah. Could you walk me through that early financial aid guarantee? What does that specific policy or program look like? Yeah. So it's something that we, we launched a, a couple of years ago. And um, the, the headline for it is that you can now find out exactly what your financial aid will be at Whitman before you've even applied. Right. And so, um, so sorry, I'm really excited about it. You know, the, 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 the traditional timeline for the admission process is, you know, you kind of 
researcher colleges, you come up with your list, you send in a bunch of applications, you hope you get into a, a few of them. Then in March, maybe even in April, you find out where you got in. And then sometimes it's another week or two till you get your financial aid award. And you've got to make your final choice by May 1st. And I mean, there aren't many big decisions like that, big financial decisions where you go through so much research before you actually find out what the bottom line will be. And it's a huge pain point. Um, it's a major issue when you think about kind of um, access um, and affordability. Um, and, you know, there are reasons why that timeline has been in place for, for a while, but here at Whitman, uh, there are some kind of advantages we have um, in terms of the kind of straightforwardness with which we approach financial aid and um, just how much personal attention our financial aid staff already gives to students that we figured out a way to, to basically move that financial aid piece to the very beginning for families that want it. I mean, not everybody is, is maybe as fixated on finances early on, but we really wanted to make sure that um, for anybody that felt like finances were going to be a huge part of their decision and that it might be a reason to apply or not to apply to Whitman, that we eliminated that variable um, as, a, as a question mark early on. Um, so we launched that, like I said, a couple of years ago, um, and this is um, going to be our now our third cycle uh, of running that program. And um, yeah, it's been really exciting to see how it's served some families um, so well. And for other families, I think, you know, it was a transparent answer that maybe they didn't like the bottom line, but um, at least knowing that early on, um, helped them think, you know, really clearly about their college search. So anyway, that's, that's basically what it is. No, that's great. That's such a great opportunity for students who are on the fence about college decisions, because I, I know the college, even the application period can be kind of expensive. So to be able to make those decisions early is, is a really great opportunity. And I think it's pretty clear that a big part of the financial aid conversation is transparency, knowing upfront how much money could be on the table. So in that same kind of vein, what types of financial aid can students receive and how do those types of financial aid differ? Yeah, no, that's a good, good question. So um, by far the largest source of financial aid at Whitman, and I'll speak kind of from a Whitman perspective on all of these things. Um, so the by far the largest source of financial aid at Whitman are the need-based scholarships we offer, which are kind of funded through Whitman's general financial aid budget. And that's been kind of really built up over time, thanks to you know, generous donations from alumni, parents, and other friends of the college, and then recently has really increased significantly as part of our kind of strategic priorities as a college. So that, those need-based scholarships are the, the, the biggest piece of our kind of financial aid awards for, um, you know, for all students kind of combined. But there are other sources of financial aid that students can receive. Um, so we offer what we call achievement scholarships, which can also be referred to as merit aid or merit scholarships or non-need-based aid is another way that that's referred to. Um, and those are awarded um, at Whitman primarily based on high school academic performance or for transfer students based on a combination of their high school academic record and their, and their college academic record. The kind of category of achievement or merit scholarships at Whitman also includes some kind of specialty scholarships like the Garrett Sherwood Award or the Eels Scholarship. Um, which are kind of um, funded by special endowments that have been given uh, or established at the college. Another form of scholarship funding that we have are called talent-based scholarships. So Whitman has um, specific talent-based scholarship opportunities for students with particular talents in the areas of fine arts, music, theater, and debate. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the broad category of scholarships. 
then there's also a whole separate category of state and federal government funding. Um, and that features into many students' financial aid awards. Um, so sources of federal funding include Pell Grants, um, which are grants that don't need to ha have to be repaid, targeted to lower students that are in lower income um, situations. There's also the Federal Supplemental Educational Opportunity Grants um, is another federal program. There's also something called the direct loans, um, used, to, used to be called the Stafford loans, now the direct loans. And those are student loans that are included in most students' financial aid packages. Um, we don't use this next type of loan, which is the parent plus loan. We don't put those into students' financial aid packages automatically, but some families are in situations where the parents decide they'd like to pursue the federal parent plus loan program. And then there's also right now some federal funding um, through the CARES Act called HER for H-E-E-R-F, and that's another kind of source of federal funding that um, uh, can come into play for some students. Um, we also get funding from some uh, state sources. Um, here in Washington State, there's something called the Washington State Need Grant, and then also the Washington State College-Bound Scholarships. Um, and those are, are both kind of you know, state grants that can really help out with some students. The last piece of this, sorry, I know it gets uh, kind of long-winded here, but um, a lot of students also bring in outside scholarships, right? So an outside scholarship would be something that's not coming um, from Whitman directly, but through, you know, an organization they're affiliated with or, um, you know, a program that they may have applied for a scholarship from, a Boys and Girls Club or, um, you know, a foundation in their hometown or, you know, church organization, something like that. And those scholarships um, can also be a part of not necessarily the package that Whitman has awarded, but it can be a way that they go about um, covering the cost of attending Whitman. I know that for some students, uh, opportunities for work study are included in financial aid offers. How does work study differ from other programs or other sources of financial aid? Yeah, absolutely. I totally forgot to mention work study as another source of um, federal or in some cases, uh, state funding available. So yeah, work study, the, the biggest difference with work study, it's a part of a financial aid package, but it's something that the student does in fact have to earn once they've enrolled. So um, it's a way that they can pay for the cost of college, but it doesn't immediately get removed from the bill that a student receives. Um, and so yeah, you get to campus and then go to the job fair and, and find a, a job on campus. And then that funding is designed to help cover some of the costs that, that will come up throughout the course of the year. I'd imagine that the kind of conversation that the financial aid office, maybe in collaboration with admissions has, can get really complicated for every student. And what kind of factors in an application or in a student's like financial situation go into the final financial aid offer? Yeah, so, um, you know, yeah, need-based aid is, is a complex topic because there are so many factors that will go into the, the calculation. So the way that, that need-based aid happens is it's determined by our financial aid team. So we have a financial aid team that um, reviews the financial aid information provided on uh, the financial aid forms that we receive, um, which are the CSS profile and the FAFSA. And they use those forms and that information to calculate a student's financial need. And there are several factors that go into that calculation. So there's family income, assets, um, both student assets and a family's uh, assets, the size of the family, age of the parents, number of family members in college, cost of living, travel costs, and, and lots more. It's 
kind of important to note that our financial aid team does take into consideration extenuating circumstances and additional information provided by families. And they frequently end up reaching out to families directly to better understand those individual situations. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a complex process because families' finances are, are complicated. And I think one of the, the advantages we have a very kind of personal review process and kind of those circumstances that don't really fit into maybe a cookie cutter, you know, financial aid formula are things that we're able to consider. So we don't just rely only on the FAFSA and the FAFSA's calculations. Um, that CSS profile does allow us to get a maybe more complete financial picture um, for families and take some additional things into account. The admission office really has nothing to do with the need-based aid calculation. You know, that is something that uh, for a variety of reasons um, kind of sits with our financial aid professionals. The only place that the admission office really gets involved with financial aid is in um, the kind of review of an application, which does influence uh, the achievement-based scholarships and does influence the selection for things like the Garrett Sherwood. So some of this aid is definitely federal, like work-study, Pell Grants, state issue, or like other state funding. How does the college fund other sources of aid, like the EELs in the Sherwood scholarships, in addition to things like need-based scholarships or talent-based scholarships? Where does that money come from? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like you said, federal Federal and state aid, of course, come from federal and state governments, and there's um, always lots of interesting policy-related conversations around Pell Grants, and so definitely encourage students to, to me, that's always a, a good thing to really understand is how those national and statewide conversations actually influence, you know, the uh, the bottom line for, for students at Whitman and, and, and elsewhere. Um, but yeah, Whitman's financial aid um, is really comprised of both endowments from gifts to the college over you know, many, many years um, that have either built up or are given, you know, every year. And then also by the general revenues of the college, right? And so the, the kind of large, big picture amount that we spend out of Whitman's budget um, is, is split between kind of, yeah, these kind of designated endowments and then the general revenues that, that are used to fund those, those scholarships. About how much money does Whitman award and aid on average each year? Yeah, good question. Um, and uh, he, you know, it's a little tricky to, to answer on an average because one of Whitman's strategic priorities has been to invest in our students through financial aid. So our financial aid spending has been steadily increasing over the past few years. Um, uh, I was just looking at this and you know, in the 2015-2016 fiscal year, Whitman awarded a little bit more than $24 million in kind of scholarship funding. That amount's increased by more than $10 million. Um, since that, well, actually that amount had increased by more than 10 million by the 2019-2020 fiscal year. And, you know, right now we, have, we haven't gotten final numbers for this year, but, uh, you know, I would anticipate that we'll probably have, uh, you know, gone beyond where we're at, where we were at at the end of 2019-2020. So yeah, that's, you know, more than $34 million um, in institutional scholarship. And that, again, doesn't include maybe the federal and state aid, outside scholarships, things like that. I'm not quite sure what I was expecting as a number, but that's not it. That's that's pretty significant. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean, it's a huge piece of the financial um, picture at Whitman. And, you know, the, the reality is that Whitman is, is pretty transparent about those things. So, you know, students absolutely, uh, you know, if, if you're if you're interested in learning more, um, yeah, peeking into kind of all the different things that kind of go into into Whitman's budget is, is, is I think, a fascinating thing. And to understand just how much it has gone into 
financial aid. And in the way that that, again, has really increased uh, in recent years, I think is a big piece of, uh, of understanding kind of the financial picture at Whitman. I'd like to talk about that increase a little bit, because I know in the spring when we were having discussions about the financial sustainability review, mm -hmm. there were concerns about uh, what financial aid could look like in the future. Mm -hmm. And the president's cabinet in March made it really clear that they would try not to increase flexibility in financial aid gapping. Yeah. Is that goal looking achievable? Uh, and what does gapping look like just overall? Sure. Yeah. So first, maybe I'll clarify what gapping means because it's um there's a, there's a little bit of a jargon to financial aid lingo. I guess that I would say you know gapping is fundamentally uh or a financial aid gap is is the difference between the amount of the students demonstrated financial need as calculated by the financial aid office and the total amount of financial aid provided in Whitman's financial aid award. Right. So that difference is the gap. And so over the past decade as part of our strategic priority to increase access and affordability um, through financial aid, Whitman's made a lot of progress to reducing uh, the amount of gapping in our financial aid packages. And so we've done, I mean, a lot of work and, you know, the, the data is out there. I don't have it right at the tip of my, my tongue or anything like that, but um, we'd gotten to the point where gaps were getting smaller and smaller. And so uh, my understanding is that as part of the financial sustainability review process, where a lot of things were on the table, the question got raised of, was that going to be sustainable moving forward? And one of the possibilities would be to kind of, you know, go back and have more flexibility um, rather than what we've done, which is to really say that we want all students to have, you know, if they're going to have a gap, have it be as small as possible. So as you stated, uh, the cabinet uh, ended up deciding to not uh, recommend uh, adding flexibility. And uh, I do think that's sustainable. Um, we, we, We've had so much, I think, generosity from members of the Whitman community to with the gifts that help sustain uh, financial aid. And I think there is a real sense that access and affordability as one of our hallmark strategic priorities is worth that investment. You know, it is a, it is, the finances of the college are really complicated. And so I, I think there is always a reality that we don't know what lies ahead and, you know, it's possible, I guess, that um, you know we'll think differently about this in the future. But but my sense is that you know, kind of from where I sit today, I look at the numbers and I think that yeah, we can make this work and continue to move toward um, kind of lower and lower gaps. And, and and I was really glad that that commitment kind of has has persisted. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm feeling very optimistic um, about our ability to um, kind of continue to to maintain that progress that we've made. It seems like the world of financial aid is definitely a really flexible space. It's a space that's always changing. And to some degree, you're you're dependent on a lot of things when it comes to making financial aid decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of gifts that the college receives, how many students are enrolled, what the individual like financial situations of those students look like. So I think it's fair for us to assume that there's a degree of we don't know when it comes to all of these decisions because it changes so often. Absolutely right. I mean, you know, we've we've all learned that lesson, not just through the pandemic, right, and the ways that that's affected families' finances and and and, and the global economy. But um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that there was the Great Recession, and two thousand eight, two thousand nine were a rough time for colleges as well. And so, you know, yeah, we look ahead, and we part of what we're we want to do is be ready for the next shocks that might come through and um, building kind of sustainable processes really, I think, is an important part of, of hopefully being able to continue our commitments to, you know, access and affordability, regardless of what 
what comes in the future. I certainly you know, spend time worrying about what what the next shock to the, the economic markets might be and things of that nature. What do you see as the future of financial aid? Do you think that Whitman is in a position right now to keep increasing the amount of aid that we're seeing from that 24 million up to 34 million today? Do you see that increase being something that continues over the next 10 years? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, part of what happens with financial aid is that as costs go up um, at Whitman and tuition rises, which which happens at some level every year, the amount of financial aid we provide has to rise with that in order to just make sure that we're meeting the needs of the students that we already have. So in some way, yeah, I do think that there will be, you know, a, a natural increase in the amount of financial aid that gets spent at Whitman and I also know that, you know, looking forward, you know, we, we may have more fundraising priorities that are centered around financial aid that would also lead to additional spending. That said, I think that every year we do have to like do some hard work looking at our budgets and figuring out kind of what is affordable. And, um, you know, uh, this year's incoming class um, received the, the, the kind of highest percentage of financial aid we've ever had. And I think that is something we have to, to look at to figure out if that is sustainable and, you know, what is the right breakdown between need-based financial aid and non-need-based financial aid, right? Because that that particular dynamic is is a really complicated one to find the right balance on. This is, I've said it probably a hundred times, but this is definitely a, a space that is always moving, always changing. And sometimes what students think about financial aid isn't necessarily what's happening behind the scenes. And so I really appreciate your transparency on this issue since talking about money sometimes isn't everyone's favorite thing to do. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, is there anything else about the financial aid process that you think is worthy of sharing in these last few minutes? You know, nothing, nothing really additional. I, I, I highlighted earlier, just, I think how personal our, our process is and, um, yeah, I just I really always encourage students to to make sure that the financial aid office has the inf- as much information as possible. You know, one thing that has been eminently clear to me from the start of my time at Whitman is that you know Whitman really steps up and um, helps for for families in in the in the toughest times. Right, um, that that the, the students with the greatest need at, at Whitman, um, I think you know, more often than not walk away from interactions with our financial aid office feeling really pleased about the outcome. Um, I think it's also worth noting that a lot of the kind of national conversation around financial aid tends to center around documented U.S. citizens. And Whitman's financial aid policies are especially generous uh, for, for students who are both undocumented and for international students. And that doesn't always show up in some of the data that, that is out there about um, you know, colleges that are doing the most for affordability. And I think that's just something that I always would encourage students if you know, um, you're, you're reading about financial aid and Whitman happens to come out low on a particular metric, like to think about who's being excluded from some of those metrics, because uh, we have a really robust and amazing international student population. Um, and you know, if they're not reflected in a particular study or a particular report, um, I don't think it's a, an accurate picture of who we are as a, an institution. So those are a couple of things that I would point to. Um, uh, and more than anything, I just think that, uh, you know, it's really important for students to continue to, 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 to look for um, ways to, um, you know, if they, if they have challenges to talk to our financial aid office. And then, you know, there are scholarship opportunities beyond Whitman that continue even when you're a current student, you know, and so, you know, always looking for those as well as a way of kind of um, helping your financial aid award go further and, you know, every, and, and, and you know, take the, the kind of burden off you and your families. So, yeah. 
I hope that that that's helpful and certainly love having the conversation with you all. And, you know, I guess the other thing I would just say to current students is this early financial aid guarantee program is really like one of the most innovative things that we've done. Um, there are very few colleges in the country that have anything quite like this. And so as you're talking to your, you know, friends in, in high school or family members who might be looking at college, that's a great entry point to learning about Whitman uh, because it is on people's minds and to know that you can actually get a real live financial aid package from a, a college on the front end can really, I think, uh, eliminate, maybe, maybe kind of like remove some of the mythology uh, um, around applying to college early on. And I think that's just better for, for everyone. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your insight and it's great to hear some of the specifics that we don't necessarily always hear. So thank you for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure, Casey. Thank you so much. To continue our deep dive into understanding financial aid on campus and how it's distributed, we set our eyes off campus entirely, or more specifically to the Office of Off-Campus Studies. I reached out to the Director of Off-Campus Studies, Susan Holm. In an email to The Wire, Susan explained how financial aid, both from Whitman itself and from external sources, are applied, and broke down some of the larger expenses that the program budgets do and do not account for. The good news is, if you receive any money from the school in the form of need-based aid and merit scholarships, they are automatically applied to the fees at the 80-plus off-campus study programs affiliated with Whitman College for students who have been approved to participate by Whitman Off-Campus Studies, or OCS. Adjustments in the need-based aid awards are made to reflect the actual program costs if they differ from the cost of a semester on campus at Whitman. Even the President's Scholarships in Theater Arts, Fine Arts, or Debate, awards that require participation in relevant activities on campus, can be applied to off-campus studies. Students who get work-study grants through Whitman have extra considerations to keep in mind, as work-study employment is not available to students while studying outside of the United States. So the OCS recommends that students who rely on work-study funds should try to earn extra money during the summer or other breaks to save for their semester away. Susan ensured, in her own words, that equity and access to off-campus studies, regardless of a student's financial need, has been and continues to be a priority at Whitman College. The OCS strives to reduce financial barriers to off-campus studies so that all students can attend the study abroad program that best fits their academic needs. Part of the reason why such a goal is attainable is the external scholarships that are available to Whitman students. These include need-based scholarships directly from many of the off-campus studies providers, like IES Abroad, School for Field Studies, and more. When mentioning outside aid, Susan wanted to shed light on misinterpretations, as OCS program scholarship applications are not difficult to complete. Many take only a few minutes to fill out and are easy to find on the OCS program's website. National Study Abroad scholarships are also available for those who need it. Students who are recipients of a federal Pell Grant are eligible to apply for the prestigious National Gilman Scholarship with awards from $2,000 to $5,000 per semester abroad. Susan was proud to mention that in recent years, over 50% of Whitman students who apply for a Gilman Scholarship receives one, even though nationally, only 25% of applicants are successful. With such encouragement to look elsewhere for additional funds, it's also important to point out that Whitman's Office of Financial Aid Services does not reduce a student's Whitman aid 
if they receive an outside scholarship, except in the rare case that a student's total aid exceeds the total cost to participate in the program. This is good news for students because those outside scholarships can replace loans or provide extra spending money. So what can this aid cover in the first place? What's the financial difference between a semester on campus and one spent studying off campus? The budget for a semester of OCS or study abroad that is used by Whitman's Office of Financial Aid Services includes all the basic expenses needed to participate, like Whitman tuition, program room fees, program meal fees, an estimate for meals not covered by the program, international medical insurance, an estimate for airfare, and an estimate for personal expenses like books, local transportation, visa fees, and more. The Office of Financial Aid Services collaborates with OCS to help ensure the financial aid package for each student approved for off-campus studies is reviewed and adjusted, if necessary, to reflect the basic costs associated with attending that particular program. Whitman students are charged Whitman tuition in lieu of program tuition when they attend on a partner OCS program. In other words, tuition for a semester of OCS is exactly the same amount as it is for a semester on campus. Because students aren't living in Walla Walla, room and board fees are charged according to the actual room and board fees of their OCS program, instead of Whitman on-campus room and board fees. For example, a student living in London will likely have higher room and board fees than when they live on campus, whereas a student studying in Costa Rica may have a lower room and board fee. If a student's OCS program budget is higher than the cost of a semester on the Whitman campus, then their financial aid award will typically be adjusted up. Similarly, if the total cost of an OCS program, including estimated airfare and personal expenses, is less than a semester at Whitman, then a student might receive less need-based aid while the family contribution remains constant. If you have questions on what programs are available through OCS, check out Whitman's My OCS webpage. For financials and other general questions, Susan and the rest of the OCS staff are extremely helpful. And if you're worried about the FSR's impact on OCS, which you probably don't have to be, you can check out Mia's interview with Susan from last semester's podcast episode on the Financial Sustainability Review. This week, the podcast worked in collaboration with a news reporter to ensure that we were covering all our bases when it comes to the financial aid discussion. Casey sat down with Naya Williamson to learn what she had found out over the course of writing her article. Today, I am joined by Naya Williamson. Is that right? Yes. Okay, and you are a news writer for The Wire. Yes, I am. And over the last week, you've been putting together a story kind of in conjunction with the podcast about the financial aid landscape at Whitman. Yeah. So do you just want to run through super briefly what that article looks like? Yeah, so I talked to a few different people for that article. I talked to Peter Harvey, Chief Financial Officer, and then I talked to Carrie Mickelson, who is involved in the financial aid office, and I also talked to another student. Found out kind of how the FSR, uh, the Financial Sustainability Report, has impacted financial aid this year at Whitman, and basically kind of how financial aid is determined and how it is used for students, and yeah, just kind of an overview of what financial aid looks like this year. 
from conversations that we had at the podcast, it was made pretty clear that financial aid is a very flexible situation, that we see a lot of change all the time. Did you see that same kind of sentiment in your conversations? Yeah, definitely. So as I was talking to people, I found out that financial aid has been changing over the last few semesters just because of like COVID. And then with the FSR, that changed financial aid for upperclassmen. And then on the other side of that, as I was talking to like financial aid offices and students, they were talking about how like the financial aid office was pretty willing to work with students. So if there was like a situation that arose that wasn't included on someone's FAFSA, for example, they would be willing to work with you and kind of help like figure that out. Let's talk about those financial aid changes that hit upperclassmen in particular. What were some of those changes to what we've seen in the past? Yeah, so the main impact of the FSR, which was kind of created last year, is that for upperclassmen, so starting with this year's junior class, financial aid isn't determined by the cost of living on campus. It's determined by the cost that Whitman estimates students might pay in a higher cost of living area. Like, it's based off of the cost of living in an area like Seattle. So that would probably lead to a decrease in financial aid for students. I would be interested in finding out how that change might impact students who continue to live on campus since their cost of living wouldn't necessarily be adjusted to something like rent or an off-campus lease. So that's potentially another area where we could like look into something. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I didn't get a chance to look into that, but that would be interesting to look at for sure. So let's talk about the budget. I'd imagine that All of us this week talking about financial aid were thrown a lot of numbers, a lot of big numbers that can seem not necessarily intimidating, but definitely a little bit bold out of context. So what was what was your experience with numbers in particular and how the budget breaks down? Yeah, so I talked to Peter Harvey, Whitman's chief financial officer about this, and I kind of have a breakdown of the college's education in general budget what that's funded from and what that is used for. So the education and general budget of the college is $74 million. That's a big number. Yeah, and uh, $41 million of that is from tuition revenue. So that's 56%. More of that comes from endowment and then donations and other like random sources of revenue. Yeah, mostly from tuition, but there's some other sources for that budget as well. What was your take on these conversations about money? Were these numbers easy to come by or was it a little bit of a search to get some of these statistics? These statistics, the ones about like the budget, it was easy for me to get that. I sent an email to Peter Harvey and I was like, can you give me the budget? And this is what he sent over. So that was really nice that he was very transparent about that. So yeah, it was pretty I would say the people that I talked to are really willing to work with me and answer my questions. You also spoke to someone else in the financial aid office, is that correct? Yes, I did. So who was that other person you talked to and how did that conversation differ from the communication you exchanged with Peter Harvey? Yeah, so I talked to Carrie Mickelson, who is the assistant director of financial aid at Whitman, and we talked more about like the FSR and the impacts on financial aid this year and kind of how financial aid is determined. Let's talk a little bit about the FSR. Were you able to figure out why or how the FSR came about? Yeah, so the FSR was last year. And the main reason behind that, from what I was able to figure out, was that the college was not having enough money. And so they're trying to decrease their costs pretty much. 
I have a quote from Carrie Mickelson. It's important to understand that part of the reason for the FSR was to ensure we have plenty of resources to devote to financial aid now and into the future because it is such a high priority. So basically, COVID and other things stretched the budget and they were trying to save money. But admin is still making it abundantly clear that financial aid is a priority. Would you say that's true? Yes, definitely, definitely. Throughout all of my conversations, they were highlighting and making it very clear that Whitman is devoted to giving financial aid to those who need it and that they are willing to work with people on their financial aid packages as well. So you had a lot of conversations with a lot of upper level administrators about these kind of details that can seem kind of overwhelming from a student perspective, right? All these little pieces. What is your take overall on the financial aid process? Do you think it's accessible to students after looking over this last week for information about financial aid? I do think that it is. I think that if you are willing to go and talk to the financial aid office and explain your situation, they're going to help you. I don't have any personal experience with that, but I do think that from the people I spoke to, they seem very inviting and welcoming and they want to help students. What were you able to ascertain about the future of financial aid from your conversations over this past week? Yes, so the main idea that I saw throughout all of my conversations was that Whitman is committed to giving financial aid. And so the FSR is to make sure that they can get financial aid in the future too. And they are really trying to make that a priority because they know that students need that financial aid to be supported. Outside of specific financial aid adjustments for upperclassmen specific to cost of living, what kind of changes, if any, did you find for underclassmen? I didn't have any conversations about that, but I don't believe that there's any changes. When I was talking to people, they were reiterating the fact that the FSR is just impacting upperclassmen living off campus, and it's not impacting any other part of financial aid. Is there anything you'd like to end with? Any tidbit about financial aid that you found out over this past week that you think is willing of sharing, or any directions you see the financial aid conversation heading in the future? You know, I don't know if there's anything specific that I want to touch on, but I do think that in the future, we should keep having these financial aid conversations. It's definitely a very important topic. And I think that it's important to be transparent about financial aid. I know a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about money, but hopefully that can be something that changes because it is really important to a lot of people. And that transparency can be helpful when you're speaking to your peers. Well, thank you for joining me on the pod, Naya. And uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. The financial aid situation can best be classified as flexible. Whitman has invested a great deal of money into student aid over the last 10 years, but the sustainability of those aid practices is, of course, dependent on the future. Even with the ramifications of the financial sustainability review being felt in other departments, students can still expect opportunities for off-campus learning and for those experiences to not pose a significant financial burden. One thing's for sure, the college's budget is quite substantial, and at the end of the day, it's dependent on its students for success. Thank you for listening to the Whitman Wire podcast. This episode was edited by Casey Moulton. We'll be back next week with new stories.